This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn with me, Dafrin Johan. You're listening to Man to Man Talk, a mini-series where men have conversations with each other about masculinity, toxic masculinity, patriarchy, and more importantly, gender-based violence. Now, this series is in conjunction with Awam's fifth white ribbon campaign. Awam is the all-women's action society and the campaign's theme is Break the Silence and the Violence and is aimed at combating gender-based violence in Malaysia by promoting a new vision of healthy masculinity and encouraging men to speak up and and out against gender-based violence, particularly domestic abuse. My guest on today's episode is Hugh Koh. He's the co-founder and chief vision officer of Pastel and Mota Clothing. Hugh is also one of Awam's White Ribbon Campaign Ambassadors. Welcome to the show, Hugh. Excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Dashrin. Uh, excited to be here. So before we get into um, the campaign and, and talking about masculinity, um, just tell me a, a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Sure. So um, I, th- I think, you know, you've really ca- somewhat captured that. Uh, I run a streetwear label. Um, it's called Pestle and Water Clothing, also known as PMC. And uh, the way that we like to describe it is a streetwear storytelling brand. Right. So the kind of stories that we like telling a lot of it is really experiences uh, that, that, you know, we have gone through growing up. Uh, at the same point in time, another big topic has always been like heritage and culture of, uh, of our beautiful nation, Malaysia itself. Right. And yeah. what do you do as the chief vision officer? Um, so I think, um, you know, my role has obviously evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a creative background. So, you know, back then, a lot of the creative work was done by me. Uh, but fortunately, right now, you know, I've got a team that really drives that forward. They probably do a way better job than I do. <laughs> uh, so for myself these days is mostly um, actually just keeping the team happy. Uh, obviously, the culture part as well. That's a big one. Um, and a lot of the partnerships that we've been doing. So, you know, the, a little bit more on the forefront, um, you know, doing interviews like this, whether it be promoting the brand uh, or promoting things that we are extremely passionate about. Right. So let's talk about the uh, White Ribbon campaign. What exactly is this campaign all about? Yeah, so the White Ribbon campaign, um, it, is, it originally started, you know, in Canada. And uh, it's the world's largest movement, you know, for men's and, bo- and men's as well as boys, you know, for standing up against violence against women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another big, like, uh, talking subject as well is obviously promoting gender equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this whole thing originated, uh, first originated, uh, there was this massacre which happened uh, in Canada itself, which saw like 14 women killed just because of their gender itself. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think it was 2013, Awam's been championing this particular movement uh, and it really has been driving force. So I think, like you said, you know, the, the campaign title is Break the Silence and the Violence. And, and it's pretty much like a rallying call for men like myself to really stand up and to speak out on this extremely important issue. Why did you agree to be an ambassador for the campaign? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of that that driving force uh, and why I'm here today um, really has a lot to do with my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think from like a young age, obviously being very exposed to this topic of uh, gender-based violence, and this is because of uh, my mother in particular. Oh. So so my mother is a little bit of an activist, you know, throughout her life, she's always been like advocating for like the oppressed. So I still clearly remember as a young kid, she would drag me along 
Um, and she used to help these uh, migrant railroad road, like workers in Klang. Wow. Uh, so I'll be going there, playing with the kids and, you know, just being exposed to this, right? And and also like full disclaimer, like uh, my mom used to also be the ex-president of Awam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's been, Wonderful. you know, fighting and obviously instilling a lot of, uh, you know, these messages and education right. uh, onto us. But I think at a young age as well, like um, never quite understood, you know, the importance of, of playing a part in all of this. Obviously, we just listened, right? Um, but I think until, you know, throughout my life as I was growing up, until, you know, I started encountering like stories, um, you know, from my, from my own close friends, it became actually a lot more real. So I still remember like being in boarding school in Australia where like a close friend of mine called me and said, Hey, Hugh, you know, my, my cousin's gone missing and we don't know where she is. And, uh, this turned up to actually be the infamous, uh, Kenny Ong case. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Kenny Ong was, you know, uh, kidnapped from Bangsa and then, you know, unfortunately she was uh, raped as well as uh, murdered. So, you know, I think when we hear stories like this, and this is not the only one that, you know, has happened within like my 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 circle of friends. So, you know, I kind of knew like I wanted to be able to do something. And uh, I think especially now, you know, being running, having sort of like running Tesla motor clothing as well, I do have a bigger voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when it comes to streetwear, it is a very male-dominated industry. Right. So if I feel that, you know, I can make a difference uh, and, I, and I should make a difference, so I guess here I am. So, you know, it is very interesting at least. Um, I think many of the listeners may not be familiar with uh, who your mom is. Could you tell, tell us who your mom is and the kind of impact she's had on your life growing up? Yeah, so um, so her name is uh, Judith Lo mm-hmm. uh, or Judith Ko. <laughs> right. They can the name of my dad, I think. Right. Um, and uh, you know, my my mom has uh, obviously been an extremely influential figure within my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think um, she she's never enforced it onto us in terms of you know, oh, you need to be this way. I think she's she's always provided as perspective. Right. Uh, so I think that's 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 always been important, and and uh, because of that, I think we're a lot more aware. Uh, obviously, you know, we do want to be able to support her in the work that she does as well. So you know, it somewhat stems from that, and then obviously, once we do get exposed, then it also becomes our thing. Right. So it's it's not only myself, but I think the rest of my siblings and and even my dad, uh, you know, going out there and you know, standing beside her and trying to champion all these things that we feel very strongly about. Absolutely. So let's get the big um, question out of the way. What does masculinity mean to you? When you you hear the word masculinity, what does that say? Yeah. Um, so it's a big word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not gonna not gonna lie. And um, but I think you know today when I when I think of masculinity, I think about emotions. I think about like emotional intelligence. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, us as men, obviously it's like, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really normally show that, Mm -hmm. but, but in my case, you know, I've been extremely lucky in that sense where, you know, throughout my family unit, um, it's, it's always been about that. It's always been about, you know, we're able, uh, to speak to mom and dad, uh, about things and and that is also translated into my own like family now. I mean, I don't have any kids, but I am married, mm-hmm. and uh, even like conversations with, uh, with with my wife, 
uh, you know, uh, being able to showcase that. And I think from that, that is also bled on to, you know, my circle of friends. And I'm very fortunate to be able to have that circle of friends as well, where we do have that deeper connection. Uh, and, and it's really fine to, to really voice out how you really, really feel. Uh, but obviously, these are things which uh, does not happen overnight. It's been cultivated over time. But I think, um, you know, going back to that question, to really sum it up, I think, you know, masculinity to, uh, masculinity to me is really about being confident about being you mm-hmm. and uh, really not changing the way, you know, to suit other people's uh, idea or expectation of, in this case, like what a man should be, uh, whether it being macho, being loud and whatnot. Absolutely. I think it's really wonderfully put. I'm curious to know um, if your idea of masculinity evolved over the years. Like when you think back to yourself when you were 15, 16, to where you are today, um, has your idea of masculinity grown and evolved? I think definitely. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, having grown up in the 80s, uh, a lot of that influence comes from like pop culture, right? Right. Like movies, um, you know, things like music as well. Um, and I still remember clearly, like, you know, we used to go crazy over over all of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger films, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and how did he depict, you know, what a man should be, right? It's strong, a man of very little words. Um, so, obviously, there was that part of it, which, right. you know, I had this idea in my head of, oh, okay, you know, a man is supposed to be like this. But again, like, going back to what I said previously, like, on the flip side, you know, being very fortunate. In, in terms of having that family unit uh, where, you know, we practice that often, you know, being able to have that deeper, like, emotional connection um, where it's normal for us to speak about, really about our feelings as well. So I think because of that, you know, I've become, like, more in tune, uh, you know, with myself and who I am and, you know, the emotions. And I think I have definitely have, like, less issues in terms of voicing that out. So, but I think, you know, I still got a long way to go, um, but I think it's, you know, a couple of steps forward. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, I'm glad you brought up um, this deeper emotional connection because um, even on the show um, last week, which um, JJ um, was on, JJ Fernandez was on on the show as a guest, um, he also, um, you know, talked about the importance or, you know, how of being emotionally vulnerable, of being able to have that space um, and how a lot of times, um, you know, men grow up believing um, that they should hide their emotions or bottle their emotions, you know, be this this macho man of few words, um, you know, ultra alpha and, and, and things like that. Um, compared to a lot of women which do cultivate that space for themselves um, among their peers, their family, um, since they were young to be able to be more vulnerable um, without the stigma and all of that, right? Um, what do you think yeah. is the importance for men to have that space to be, you know, like you said, emotionally intelligent, to, you know, be able to share their feelings, um, be it with their friends, their family, be able to be vulnerable? Why is that important? I think it's just that that d- deeper connection, right? Uh, the understanding, mm. uh, you know, when you're able to 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 voice out, you know, how you really feel. Um, I think that connection is a lot stronger with, uh, you know, not only yourself but obviously the people that you're talking to. All right, let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Hugh Ko, co-founder of Pastel and Mota Clothing, and he's one of Awam's White Ribbon Campaign Ambassadors. We will continue this discussion after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Darshan Johan and on the show with me today is Hugh Ko, co-founder of Pestle and Mota Clothing and one of Awam's White Ribbon Campaign Ambassadors. Um, this is the second episode of our Man to Man Talk mini-series. So, Hugh, um, before the break, you talked about um, the what you see um, the definition of masculinity is. Now I want to ask you, what is toxic masculinity? So I think, um, you know, toxic masculinity is about um, when when men, you know, they think they're they're more superior than women, mm. and that obviously, you know, it gives them that right to to act a certain way. I think uh, a lot of times as well is uh, somewhat pre- pressuring other people that you know they do need to conform, um, you know, in a certain way. And 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 I've been a victim of that actually because mm. um, you know for myself, um, you know, I've like I'm. I'm I'm happy to admit that you know I'm attracted to really independent women, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who are driven, beat in their career or even like you know generally in life, and uh, you know, in fact, I'm actually like really lucky to be married to uh, one of those that actually tick those boxes, and I I still remember clearly like you know when we first started dating, I've had like you know two acquaintances. I wouldn't really call them like good friends, not to be honest. <laughs> they were more acquaintances, right? Uh, who knew us. And and they just made like a passing remark, and you know they said things like, you know, bro, are you sure you want to date such a strong woman? Mm. You know, um, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, only bring you trouble. Mm. And to be honest, I was I was really kind of lost for words. I uh, mm. didn't really know what to say back then. Obviously, I think now I'm a lot more equipped um, in terms of you know um, addressing that situation. But uh, and I and I think I actually would have given them a earful, but. You know, this is, I would say this is an example of like what toxic, you know, masculinity is. Absolutely. I I think you bring up a great point. And I also would like to get your thoughts on this, right? Because um, I I find it, um, you know, more challenging to talk to my bro circle, like you said, um, you know, when they brought up when your when your bros, be it your best friends or you know people in an acquaintance or you know your buddies at the gym or wherever it may be, um, you know, I, I find it easier sometimes to talk about these things into a microphone, and maybe hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people are are, are listening than in the bro circle. You know, it, there's that. Sometimes that that you you get stunned when people uh, bring up these things, and and it contradicts with your values. But you don't. It, it's not easy to be that person that that you know. Um, you know, just says what's on your mind to to your group of friends. You don't want to quote unquote spoil the mood or spoil the yeah. fun or or be this person that is seen as too uptight. I, I think these are natural responses. Um, first of all, tell me like how difficult is it to have these conversations with your bro circle, and how do you do uh-huh. it? Because you said that now you're in a place. I'm um, compared to a few years ago, where you'd have that 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 sort of um, clarity of thought um, and, and mm. your values that you can bring up these things too if people in your circle, you know, make these kinds of remarks. Um, how do you do it? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, situations like this can be extremely challenging. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have been in situations where I felt extremely uncomfortable but have not said anything, right. even though, you know, deep down, you know, I, I, I do want to say something. Um, but, but lately, um, I mean, fortunately it doesn't happen that often within, you know, my circle. So thank God for that. But, um, uh, there have been instances where, uh, what I normally like to do, 
And, uh, you know, I don't only practice this, you know, in these types of situations, but just for anything else, right? It's not so much calling them out in front of everyone else. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, like I mentioned previously as well, like my relationship, you know, with my friends or my bro friends, um, we, we do have a deeper connection, fortunately. So, um, and, and a lot of times I would just pull them aside. Um, you know, or send them a text. I think right. sometimes, you know, when when sending them a text, you're able to really convey the reasons why. Absolutely. Right? So so normally, yeah, you know, I will normally pull them aside, send them the text uh, and really tell them, you know, end of the day, I think education is key. Mm-hmm. Um, and just encourage them, you know, for like, I think with like empathy, really is um, maybe just putting them in that situation of like, hey, imagine if, you know, a survivor of sexual violence, you know, heard this, how do you think they would feel? You know, it's, it's, it's really not cool what you're saying. And, um, I think a lot of times as well, like, um, these type of situations, they are, you know, even though we, we always tend to say like, Hey, it's just a joke. Um, you know, it's, it's just for fun, right? We don't mean it. We're not saying it to the person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think a lot of, and, and, and for me, the way that I look at it is that, you know, by us practicing, practicing this, it is creating this environment for these type of things to happen, right? Normalizing it, you know, almost, right. um, you know, the more that we talk about it. So, and, and that's the reason, right? Why, why we shouldn't be doing that, uh, even though it may not be said directly to, to a person. Absolutely. Have there been moments in your life where you've had to unlearn certain behaviours or attitudes associated with toxic masculinity? Yeah, uh, I think most definitely. Um, I think, um, you know, a lot of times as well, I, I really credit, like, the different experiences that I've been through. And uh, I think one of it, not too sure if you're aware of, uh, is this thing called uh, EO. So, you know, I'm a part of entrepreneurship organization. Right. And uh, what I really like about it, and I didn't quite realize this, you know, at first, but um, obviously this is a lot to do with, you know, how to grow, how to drive your business forward and whatnot. But uh, a big part of, you know, EO is that we have these groups of like, uh, we call them forums, and it may comprise of like, you know, five or eight different entrepreneurs. And a lot of it is about experience sharing. Um, you know, of course, the framework of it allows, you know, we, we really practice like confidentiality, you know, like no judgment. And, and, and for stuff like this, it really creates like a safe space, you know, for us to really speak freely. Um, and one of the exercises that we actually do on a monthly basis is uh, we always have to give updates on the month. And, and the way the framework is uh, somewhat engineered is that we always start with uh, our emotions first. Mm. And uh, again, right, I mean, the first time when you meet people, you know, maybe someone new to your group, they always find it extremely challenging. Right. But again, you know, the more that you do it, um, and even for myself as well, like sometimes, you know, blurting all this out to people that you, you barely know, uh, it is really, really uncomfortable. But, um, you know, as you continue to do it, obviously you improve. So, you know, I think platforms like this have obviously, uh, you know, shaped me for the better. Um, and and even, you know, learning from that, even taking that into my own organization as well. So on a monthly, we have this monthly reflection and uh, it, it, it stems from, you know, all of us live such such busy lives that we don't actually have the time to really stop and think. Um, so we also practice, you know, that sort of, uh, 
you know, that sort of thing as well, um, you know, within our organization. So I think, you know, we're, we're all, we've all been brought up a certain way. Um, you know, we all come from families with different values. Um, but yeah, I think be constantly being exposed to, to these type of things. And even for myself, like being a part of White Ribbon Campaign as well, it's all about education. Uh, you know, I know that, um, I, I only knew that much before, but as I continue to expose myself, put myself in these type of like, you know, difficult situations, um, you know, I learn and I can be obviously a better person. And and that's what I want to strive for, right? So, um, yeah, I think constantly unlearning the things that, you know, we've done and, and uh, you know, picking up uh, new things, a lot more positive new things. Right. That drive us to become a better person, yeah. So what are your thoughts on traditional gender roles, especially when they are forced upon people? Yeah, so I, th- I think especially here in Malaysia, right? And, you know, I think obviously in the West, I think they're a lot more, um, you know, forward thinking. Um, but I think, you know, still South in, Southeast Asia itself, we're still in, in many ways, uh, it's just because of the systems that surround us, right? So, you know, we speak about like, things like the government, obviously like religion, you know, a lot of this is really like patriarchy as well. And mm-hmm. even like corporate structures. Um, and, and with that being said, you know, I think uh, obviously the generation of tomorrow is definitely like the driving force of this change. Uh, they're the ones which are somewhat constantly pushing the boundaries. So I do believe that we are making a progress, uh, but, but still, um, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of families out there, which, you know, obviously, have that mindset of like, oh, okay, the man should be the one going out to work, uh, you know, earning the money. Uh, and obviously women, on the other hand, should be at home. Um, but I think, you know, even for myself, um, I believe we are a modern family or, mm. or the family is of the future. And, uh, you know, things like joint income, right? Like both of us obviously go out and work and and I don't understand, you know, how we can only depend on one these days. Like things right. are so expensive. <laughs> Right? right. So Absolutely. having two breadwinners within the family, you know, that's one. And I think second of all, uh, things like, you know, uh, maybe even like house chores at home. And, you know, my wife, she's like a great chef. So I obviously leave that up to her. And and um, because of that, I become cleaner. Right. And uh, I actually enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times like we work off our strengths rather than, you know, what we are so-called deemed. Um, or that box that, you know, we're supposed to be doing. And, and that's what we've always practiced. Uh, I think even like things like decision-making as well. Um, and it's all about alignment and communication, right? Uh, in relationships. So, you know, say for example, like we're approaching 2024 right now, and a lot of it has been about reviewing our joint goals. Um, and that's something that we, you know, we practice like, okay, you know, as a family, um, you know, what, what direction do we want to head towards? And, as long as a lot of the decisions are made, uh, are made sort of based off that. Um, so, you know, these are a few things that, you know, we're doing, which I think really goes against uh, the grain of uh, traditional sort of uh, gender roles. Hugh, why is it important for men to speak up about gender-based violence? I think, um, you know, if... If, if not us, then who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the problems that we're discussing here today, really, it, it stems from men itself. So, um, you know, how can we obviously expect change if we ourselves are, are not the one at the forefront really championing this? Um, and I think it definitely carries a lot more weight 
when when men do speak out because we then become somewhat of role models to other men. Mm. Uh, you know, compared to you know women, if they're out there somewhat pushing for you know reform and and whatnot. Um, so you know, um, the 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 more each uh, you know the more men speak out, I think you know it creates people see it and it normalizes it in terms of hey, it's fine to be this way. Um, I think that's one. I think second of all as well, it would be like things like accountability. Uh, accountability is obviously like really important. Uh, where we ourselves are able, like within, like you said, you know, within our bro circles to to be able to hold them accountable. Right. Because um, I think a lot of it obviously stems from that, right? Like where we get this idea, you know, it comes from other men. So I think if we're able to somewhat change that mindset, then uh, we would see a, a wider change. You, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I do want to dive into it a bit more as we slowly wind down this conversation. Um, Hugh, sometimes when people think of gender-based violence, right, they only think about the worst cases of rape, abuse and sexual assault. Um, ignoring the entire culture and ecosystem that enables that in the first place. So like gender stereotyping, policing a woman's body, policing uh, the, the type of clothing women can wear, um, so-called rape jokes, etc. What do you think of this, this whole idea in which um, we, we sometimes without realising, when I say we, I mean men or society in general, are creating this ecosystem that enables um, the, the worst cases of, you know, rape, abuse, so on and so forth to, to happen? Yeah. So I think, I think uh, first up, you know, something that I've learned, um, you know, ever since I've joined this, this movement is that um, these things are really, really real. Um, you know, statistics in Malaysia show itself like, you know, one in three women, you know, experience some form of uh, sexual violence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's happening around us, uh, e even though we're not hearing about it. Right. Um, so, but I think, I think what's important is really just being aware of these issues and, and therefore, you know, a lot of times, I think going back to what I said, right? Like a lot of times we, we men, we, we may assume that these forms of violence mentioned by you, you know, whether it be, you know, gender stereotyping or policing of like a women's body, you know, things like that. Um, it really creates an environment that enables um, and really normalizes the type of violence. Um, so I think that that is why, uh, you know, we really need to somewhat stop it. And, um, you know, these jokes at the same point in time also like reinforces a lot of the power imbalances uh, and discrimination, obviously, you know, towards women. So um, a lot of times we think, you know, they're really harmful, but um, it's not the case. Um, you know, a lot of times when we do that, uh, we are adding to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that change needs to happen. Tell me about the White Ribbon Run. So this, um, as I understand, is happening next year. Um, what can you tell me about the White Ribbon Run, how it relates to the White, the white Ribbon Campaign, so on and so forth? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think the, obviously the driving force of, uh, you know, White Ribbon Run is... Um, you know, if you obviously resonated with whatever that we're talking about today, whatever that I said, um, obviously, then you really need to get out there. And, um, you know, it's happening on the 14th of January and it's going to be in KL at uh, Padang Merbok. Um, it's a, it, to be honest, it's, it's, uh, it's, even though we've got like different like uh, distance categories. So I 
think there's like a three or five as well as like a 10 kilometer. Uh, but but end of the day, it is, you know, all of us coming together to really champion this cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, right, you know, I want being an NGO, uh, obviously, you know, they need to be able to, to get the funds to be able to do the work that they do. Uh, so, you know, whatever in terms of like ticket sales and, and whatnot, it all goes towards a, a great cause. Uh, on top of that, I do need to mention is that, you know, PMC also designed the jersey. So you, you, you get something, you know, really cool is at the same point of time to, to uh, take home. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we would love to obviously see, you know, all of you guys out there. I think, uh, you know, in terms of this cause as well, it's super, super important. So if you, you know, if it's something that, you know, resonates with you, um, they're available. You can obviously check out the run details. You can check it out on Awam's website. I think it's uh, awam.org.my. At the same point in time, it's also been listed on a few of these uh, running websites like Checkpoint Asia. Uh, So you can also check that out. And before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us? Yeah, so I think going back to, you know, what I mentioned before, you know, if not me or you, then who, right? right. So I think at the day, like, we can all make a difference. And um, the way that I like to think about it is that, uh, you know, really think about your wives, your mothers, your sisters, your daughters. And, and you know, we as men, how can we really shape and influence like a better future for all our loved ones? Um, this is obviously a big step you know, to change and uh, for a better future. So really hope to see you guys out there. Hugh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dashren. That was Hugh Cole. He's the co-founder of Pastel and Mota Clothing and one of Awam's White Ribbon Campaign Ambassadors. If you'd like to find out more about Awam's White Ribbon Campaign, you can head over to awam.org.my. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.